Dateline, a long time ago, galaxy far, far away. The clone armies of the Republic are spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Welcome to the 21st episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Liberty on Ryloth. I am your host, as always, Michael Cohen, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for, for popping in for the second last episode of season one of, uh, of the Clone Wars, uh, Liberty on Ryloth. Which was uh, it was it's a pretty good way to, to end the season actually, uh, the penultimate uh, episode of the season. Uh, I'm gonna get right into things. So here we go with the news, uh, and this this is our news for the week. The Old Republic webcomic issue two is now up. That's our news for the week. Uh, no, just uh, just kidding. But um, well, kind of kidding. There's no news. This is about it. Uh, there's some other stuff on the Old Republic website. Uh, they just put up a feature uh, for the, the the character class Bounty Hunter that's got a whole bunch of information and some videos and pictures and all that sort of thing. There was a, a video that I posted on the site earlier this week for that. But um, Clone Wars news is actually kind of quiet right now considering this is this is the the final uh, week of, of the show um, well of, of the season at least so I uh, episode 22 I uh, hostage crisis airs uh, tonight as of recording and um, and then that will be season one so there's not a lot for them to report on uh, other than that the season finale is on so that's really all of the news that's been in the last week there's been a lot of promo material uh, hyping up Cad Bane and just how awesome he's going to be. Which, if you haven't seen anything for Cad Bane, head over to CloneWarsPodcast.com and I've got some videos posted there. You can watch those and see just how awesome this episode's going to be. But that is the news. That's all of it for this week. Um, There's more news about fanboys opening in more cities, but uh, I didn't want to bore you guys with with yet more cities for that. But head over to StarWars.com or TheForce.net and you can get uh, more info on the cities that it's expanding to. And uh, and in April, it'll be coming to Canada and other countries. So uh, when that happens, that's bigger news. I'll, I'll let you guys know when it's coming to uh, possibly a theater nearer to you, uh, if you're not in the States. But, uh, but I imagine that most people have probably seen it because it's been in quite a few different cities in the States already. So... Uh, from there, we're going to go into some collecting news. I've actually got some collecting news this week, which is kind of cool. Um, 2009 Canadian Star Wars and 80s Toy Expo has been announced. It's going to be April 26, 2009 at the Doubletree International Plaza Hotel in Toronto, Ontario. So for all of you uh, Canuck Star Wars fans, uh, Snowtroopers, as, as a lot of you are called, uh, especially the, uh, the 501st, Snowtroopers, uh, head out there, check this stuff out. There's going to be uh, Star Wars, New and Vintage, G.I. Joe, uh, Vintage and 25th Anniversary, which is the current line, uh, Transformers, 
some vintage and imports, and tons of other action figures and collectibles. So um, definitely check that out if you are in the Toronto area, or you can manage to get yourself out there to check that out. Um, and so our other piece of collecting news is that this is actually kind of a surprise. Some Clone Wars 2-packs have shown up. Rebelscum.com has pictures, and the 2-packs are Obi-Wan and a battle droid, and Cody and a battle droid. Um, there's nothing different about these figures. They are exactly the same as the single-packed figures. There's just two of them. So if you're lucky enough to, to uh, come across these and you don't already have Obi-Wan and a battle droid or Cody and a battle droid, you can pick them both up at the same time. Um, and that's our collecting news. Like I said, the, the news is just quiet this week. Very, very quiet. Um, we're heading into the, the season finale tonight. And, uh, and we kind of already know a lot of the figures that are coming out later this year. So no real news on the collecting front either. Um, so with that, I'm just going to get straight into the weekly recap for Liberty on Ryloth. The final phase of the Republic assault on Ryloth has begun. Jedi Master and General of the Republic Army, Mace Windu, leads the attack on the capital city of Ryloth, Lesu, in an attempt to liberate Ryloth once and for all. His ATTEs are following a perilous path along a cliffside while being bombarded by Separatist tanks from the other side of the canyon. The Separatists have the upper hand. They've taken out the lead tank, forcing the rest of the convoy to stop their advance. If the Separatists take out the last ATTE, the entire attack force will be boxed in. Mace tells Commander Pons to bring out Lightning Squadron, a team of troops riding nimble ATRT walkers. Meanwhile, General Windu uses the force to clear the road in front of them. Lightning Squadron has arrived at the head of the convoy. One of the troopers hands over his ATRT to General Windu, who then leads the attack on the Separatist tanks. The nimble walkers manage to evade the tank's turbo lasers, quickly overtaking them and destroying the entire battalion. The way is now clear to the capital, but at the cost of 32 of his men. Unknown to the Jedi and his troops, their conversation is being monitored by one of Wat Tambor's recon droids. In the capital city of Lesu, Tambor and his tactical droid TA-175 review the transmission. TA-175 suggests they retreat but Tambor refuses. He intends to secure the city. Aboard one of the ATTEs, General Windu is in conference with the Supreme Chancellor and other Republic officials, including Master Yoda. Anakin has the Space Fleet routed, and Master Kenobi has the Southern Hemisphere of Ryloth under control. Ryloth is almost free. General Windu just has to take the city, the uh, capital city, and hopefully Wat Tambor as well. But it won't be easy. There's only one way in or out of the city, a narrow plasma bridge controlled from within the city's walls. In order to take the city, Windu intends to enlist the help of the local freedom fighters, led by Cham Syndulla, their leader. But Orn Frita, senator of Ryloth, warns that Syndulla can't be trusted. But Windu holds firm. Without any Republic reinforcements available, they'll need Syndulla's help. Lightning Squadron arrives at the Kazne Flatlands, the site of a major battle between the Separatists and Syndulla's Freedom Fighters. Tracks nearby, left by creatures ridden by the Freedom Fighters, 
appear to be fresh, meaning they were by the site recently. The area is littered with small twilight grave markers, indicating that it was quite a battle. Suddenly a roar is heard off in the distance. Windu silently hand signals to his men to mount their ATRTs, moving ahead quietly. In Lesu, Tambor is being chastised by Count Dooku. The tactical droid has informed him of Tambor's refusal to retreat. Dooku warns him of being greedy. Instead of holding the planet, they will destroy it as an example of the cost of Republic liberation from the Separatists. Back on the plains, Windu and Lightning Squadron come across a squad of battle droids. Windu keeps his men hidden from the droids in an attempt to flush out the rebels. It's worked. Sindula and his men attack the droids and Windu races to help. But it seems the rebels don't need it. They've already taken out all of the droids. Mace informs Sindula that they've come to ask for his help, but Sindula doesn't seem obliged to offer any. In the capital, TA-175 reports that their bombers are nearly ready to launch. The tactical droid will also begin to prepare Tambor's shuttle for launch, but Tambor replies that he's not ready to leave. The droid intends to keep his schedule and will prepare the shuttle anyways. Sindula leads Windu and his men into an underground lair where the Freedom Fighters have been hiding. Windu continues to try and convince Sindula to help them, but Sindula retorts that when the Separatists came, the Republic was too busy to help them. When they surrendered to the CIS, they were all but exterminated. Behind them, Stack, one of the troopers, is examining one of the Blurg, the creatures that the Freedom Fighters ride. The creature nips at him from behind the cage, making one of Sindula's men remark that although ill-tempered, the creature is much faster than their walkers. Stack isn't convinced. Entering the main room of the hideout, Sindula offers them what little hospitality they can afford, as it is their custom. Meanwhile, the Republic convoy is still making its way to the capital. They come upon a small Twi'lek village. Commander Pons tells his men to gather what rations they can spare to aid the village, but no sooner does he finish his sentence than the console blares red, indicating incoming enemy ships. Pons orders them to brace for impact, and the bombers let loose their payloads, but not on the convoy, on the city. Pons stands in disgust before ordering them to contact General Windu. In the Freedom Fighters' hideout, the Twi'lek treat Windu and his men to their traditional dance, as he and Sindula discuss why he can't help the Republic forces. Sindula argues that once Ryloth is free from the Separatists, they'll still be occupied by the Republic's armed forces. He postulates how long before he will be fighting the Republic. Their conversation is interrupted by pawns. He informs General Windu that the Separatists have begun firebombing several villages in the area. The entire room overhears the transmission, convincing Sindula to give the Republic a chance. He will speak with Senator Ta. In the capital, the droids report that they are awaiting two more transports from the southern base. Dooku is furious with Tambor, demanding to know why they haven't evacuated. Tambor comes up with a shoddy excuse. But Dooku is not interested, ordering, ordering them to leave before the Republic arrives, so that they can bomb the city once General Windu and his forces have invaded. Once the transmission ends, Tambor orders TA-175 not to bomb the city without his say-so, 
but the droid replies that he has his orders. In the hideout, Windu and Syndulla make contact with Senator Ta. Syndulla greets the Senator with much hostility, prompting Ta to respond in kind. But the two are interrupted by General Skywalker, who reports that they're having a hard time dealing with the bombers. There are too many. They may not be able to stop them all from reaching the capital. Mace pushes the Senator to promise that the Republic will not leave behind a military force once the Separatists have been dealt with. In turn, Syndulla gives his word that his freedom fighters will not attempt to overthrow the government once the Republic has left. With the two parties in agreement, Syndulla rallies his men to prepare for battle. Outside the capital, the droids lead their twilight prisoners to a small camp outside the city gates. Syndulla's Windu and Syndulla's forces have joined together, making a much more formidable fighting force. Windu and Syndulla scout the situation. Syndulla is worried that his people will be caught in the crossfire as they try to take the bridge. But Windu reassures him that they won't be harmed if they can get the walkers into the city. Syndulla spots a pair of separatist transports making their way towards the city. That's their ticket inside the walls. But it'll be tricky. The transports are usually scanned while crossing. Windu, along with Stack and Razor, make their covert assault on the transports. Windu tells the remaining forces to attack once they have control of the bridge. Leaping to the rear transport, they make quick and silent work of its escort, stowing away in its cargo hold. TA-175 reports that it's time for them to leave, but as he does, the droids inform Tambor that the last two transports have, have arrived. Tambor is pleased. He orders them to extend the bridge and let them into the city. The plasma bridge extends, and the transports make their way across, being stopped by a scanning crew in the middle of the span. The crew scans the first transport, all clear. As they come around the rear of the second transport, their equipment informs them that something isn't right. The, lamp lower, the ramp lowers, revealing Windu and his men. They attack, destroying the crew. With their presence known, the droids deactivate the bridge. Windu uses the force to send Stack and Razor flying to the far end, far end of the bridge, then leaping from the falling transport, commandeering a staff and sending it colliding into another before landing on the other side of the bridge and helping his men up. The rest of the Republic forces, along with Cham Sindula's men, begin their attack on the city while Stack and Razor take the bridge control room. Extending the bridge, the Liberation Force is now making their way into the city. Windu manages to single-handedly take down an entire battalion of droids, including a tank. Now he just has to find Tambor. The Republic forces hold the Separatist droids at bay, but Stack and Razor are under attack by deadly droid commandos. The droids almost get the upper hand, but the clones come out on top. Meanwhile, Tambor is making his way to his shuttle just as it lifts off and leaves without him. TA-175 reports that Tambor wasn't able to evacuate from the city. Dooku is disappointed, but orders the tactical droid to destroy the city anyways. Windu catches up with Amir Tambor and orders him to surrender, but Tambor doesn't think it will matter as they're all about to be destroyed, pointing in the sky towards a squadron of bombers. Suddenly, a pair of Jedi starfighters breaks through the squadron, saving the day. Anakin and Ahsoka have made it just in the nick of time, like always.
Sindula forces an unconditional surrender from Tambor. Ryloth is now finally free. So there we go. That That is a Liberty on Ryloth, the conclusion of the Ryloth trilogy, which was one heck of a ride. And this would definitely, 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 definitely been a much better movie than... Uh, then, well, I, I guess we didn't really get a trilogy or whatever for the uh, for the initial Clone Wars movie. But I guess what would have been the Hut Saga, um, the Hut Napping Saga, which uh, which is a pretty weak name for something that you would turn into the movie. In any case, uh, things happened the way they happened, and we got this wicked trilogy as as uh, uh, the near close to our our first season of the clone wars and it was a good one it was definitely a good one there was some great stuff in this episode um the comparisons to the gulf wars like uh when cham Sindula talks to mace and he says uh will you leave a, a, a an armed force to occupy ryloth and mace is like well of course we'll leave a small force to keep the peace um just to make sure that things things don't go wrong after the separatists are are, are made to leave, um, and that there's not an uprising or anything like that, and uh, and Cham Sindula says, "Well, how long before I'll be fighting against you to liberate Ryloth?" And uh, it's very interesting because that that really uh, parallels the way that um, in the first Gulf War, the um, the Americans enlisted the help of the local. Uh, now I don't want to get this wrong, and I probably am. Uh, the Taliban, which the Taliban is not Al Qaeda, if I'm correct in that. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that the Taliban is not Al Qaeda, and the Taliban is who they enlisted the help of um, in the first Gulf War, and then in the second Gulf War, the one that they're currently in in Afghanistan um, they are fighting against the Taliban so coming in arming the Taliban training them to fight uh, ended up working against the American army uh, however many years later 10 or 15 years later uh, when they went back and, uh, and ended up having to fight the Taliban who was the army that they formed um, or at least the army that, like the militia that they uh, that they enlisted to help them um, and trained in order to be better soldiers. So, uh, so that that's definitely something that that is just it's it's a very very brief allegory. Like it's it's not that it will necessarily happen that way, but that it's possible that it could have happened that way, um, as well as being an allusion to uh, the ultimate. Uh, plan of the emperor, well, the the supreme chancellor, uh, and the republic forces. Um, that that's unknown to the Jedi, of course. But I mean, how long would it be since Cham Syndulla believes in democracy? He's fighting for democracy. So when the uh, the supreme chancellor takes over, um, how how do you think Cham Syndulla would would respond to that? reformation of the republic into an empire 
Um, I don't think that he'd be too pleased with it. And if there was uh, a Republic garrison becoming an Imperial garrison on the planet, um, he'd definitely be one of the guys to fight against it. So, very, very interesting. I like how that worked on two levels. And then there was, later on in the episode, um, there was the, the little joke about uh, Tambor and his exit strategy. He, he, he hasn't properly formulated an exit strategy, which is something that, uh, that the former American administration was saying about the war in, uh, in Iraq and not being able to leave there. So, um, as well as Afghanistan. So very, very humorous, uh, nod to, uh, to real life events and, and very cool how, how they make it relevant like that where it's this is this is a way of teaching children that although um i don't know i'm not sure exactly what the moral of this story is but but i mean i guess it's just that you have to be careful because war begets war and i guess i guess that's the moral is that you train people to fight and eventually you know, you may have to fight them, you know, you create your own monster. And, uh, and, and these are just like using the show in this way to, to, uh, use it as an allegory to teach children. Cause we know like there are children watching the show. There there's, I mean, we've got listeners who are younger, they're 10, 11, 12, possibly younger than that. So, um, there's definitely a younger group watching the show and learning from it because uh, especially i mean like if you're watching with your parents if, if it's a family thing if you've got two generations of star wars fans watching the show it's uh it's going to open things up for for discussion and to find out uh just just what does that mean you know it'll it'll cause them to ask questions and start to wonder about things like war and whether or not it is right which of course it's not i mean we watch Star Wars, and it's all good and fun to uh, to watch a show. But um, when it comes right down to it, the things that, that you see, even on the show, can tend to be pretty brutal. And that's not even... I mean, this is animated cartoon violence uh, on battle droids and alien creatures that, uh, that don't really exist. And it's cartoons, like, like I said, animated violence. So... Um, that's one thing and then you turn around and, and you think these stories in some instances are based off of actual events in our history and uh and not even not even distant history but recent history uh within the last two or three years so that's uh it's interesting that they go that route and it's very brave of them to go that route and those people who make fun of the show for being childish and silly with the battle droids i mean in the last three episodes there wasn't a heck of a lot of obnoxious battle droids there was a moment here and there they make comments their comments are maybe a little bit questionable um their actions not necessarily i mean they are they're stupid battle droids so um there's that aspect of it but uh but yeah like they've definitely toned down the, the silly battle droids and made it made it a much more mature version of the show so um those people who complain about that those people who bring it up and and say that they, they can't watch the show because 
it's too obnoxious and it's too silly and all that sort of thing. Um, first of all, they, they're, they're just being a little bit arrogant. They need to, to relax. It's a TV show. It's a cartoon show. It's a half an hour cartoon show for kids. So uh, if you've got a problem with like a joke here and there and some obnoxious battle droids, then uh, then you're then you're not watching it for the right reasons, and nothing's gonna please those people anyway. So I don't want to go off on a whole tangent about people who are negative about this stuff. But watch these three episodes and tell me that the show's not getting better. Tell me that the show is not getting more mature, taking things a little bit more seriously, because it is. It definitely is. Um, so that's the good things. I mean, and there was some really really intense battle scenes. Just awesome awesome especially um when they're when they're going across the bridge and you've got that one moment where everything sort of it doesn't even slow down i don't think it might slow down a little bit like not even half speed but like three quarter speed and uh and and this the sound just kind of goes there's no there's no uh score there's no background music all of the background sounds have disappeared and it's just this very focused sort of almost like hollow tin sound as if Mace Windu is so focused on what he's doing. He's so like he's delved so far into the forest and he's so focused that that's all that he can focus on is the actions and the sound and and everything else that's going on around him is just totally peripheral and, and not not clear. He's just focused on what he's doing on that line of jumping off of the, the transport onto the staff, smashing it into the other staff, and then landing on the other side. And then it just goes right back into it, and everything just picks right back up. And then he goes and takes out an entire battalion of battle droids, super battle droids, droidicas, and a tank by himself. Which, uh, I mean, I'm going to quote some of the guys on the boards, and, uh, and he's a beast. Mace Windu is a beast. He is an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. So, um, totally awesome, totally great moment. As well as the opening of the episode, which was great with the with the ATTs along the side of the cliff. And then here's the thing: the battle droids might be obnoxious and and faulty sometimes, but when they're being led properly by, say, a tactical droid. Although there wasn't a tactical tactical droid leading them directly there was a tactical droid pulling the strings and you could tell because they take out the lead ATTE and then they move to take out the rear one so that all of the tanks will be boxed in on this cliffside and the battle droids can just hang out on the other side of this canyon and pick off the Republic troops as they're totally vulnerable out in the open on the side of this cliff and that's that's an enemy to worry about because they're they're smart they're not completely stupid um they just lack leadership sometimes i think so that and then mace and the and lightning squadron taking out those tanks after after he clears the way by removing the uh, the downed atte with the force um and of course his use of the shatterpoint technique just awesome excellent stuff excellent excellent stuff but uh that's the good stuff and now i'm gonna get into the bad stuff um but then i have well i've got good stuff to talk about as well uh so i'm just gonna say the uh the arc troopers are 
okay, how do I how do I phrase this? In the books, in the EU, and if you've read these books, which I don't necessarily consider Clone Wars EU because it's considered G-level canon. So um, I consider things that aren't G-level canon to be EU. Um, in the books, they talk a lot in several of them about the fact that the ARC troopers have been given special training to go onto planets when they... Be, for this exact exact reason that um, that the Republic forces are spread thin, they don't have enough to to fully take a planet or or uh, engage in battle. So they'll go down with a smaller force, and the Arc troopers will train a militia out of the local inhabitants. Um, one of the books that does this really well is uh, the Clone Wars novel, The Cestus Deception, which uh, features Obi-Wan Kenobi and Kit Fisto. And, uh, and the ARC troopers go down, actually an ARC trooper and some commandos go down and they train the local inhabitants to become a militia. And I think that that would have been really interesting to see in this episode. Although I guess they decided that there was already a militia, there was already these freedom fighters, and that they would just enlist the help of the freedom fighters instead of starting up a militia. But um, hopefully we'll see that down the line. So I guess it's not really a complaint, it's just something that I would have liked to have seen because I've, I've read it in some of the novels. I think it's a really interesting par part of the Republic Army is that although like they've got this amazing army, it's it's still not enough to counter the separatists who can just manufacture more more battle droids and they don't it doesn't take nearly as long as growing clones so um, I mean there you go when when they get low on numbers they have to enlist people so I wanted to see a little bit of that um, there was the pointless 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 subplot about the blurgs uh, the the animals that the freedom fighters rode and you've got that moment where stack reaches out to one and uh, and it nips at him and then the guy talks about oh well they're way faster than your walkers and then later on you see one of the clone troopers get on one and ride it into the battle and uh, and I thought that was totally pointless I thought it was really silly so um, I just had to complain about that because it feels like it was one of those things that was tacked on and those few minutes that we spent wasting time on that could have been used for more story points or better action sequences. So I think that was a really, really poor choice, but, uh, but it's there nonetheless. Um, Watt Tambor in this episode, actually Watt Tambor in this whole trilogy is very, very interesting. Um, he was a very, very overconfident leader and definitely not a military leader he if you've read the web comics he was there simply to sack ryloth of all of its valuables all of its treasures um and to take them for himself like all he's about is about accumulating wealth which is a lot like the nemoidians and uh and the banking clan and and all these other separatists which they're this the separatist alliance starts with all of the um, the different corporate entities that that have their own representation on the Senate um, 
which is really interesting, a, a really interesting insight that George Lucas had considering our current global situation. And I think like that with the economic crisis and stuff, and people don't give him credit for that. He, he saw these, like our real life corporate entities like AIG, which if you're keeping up with the news is doing terrible, terrible things. And, uh, and all of these other banks that, um, that just, I mean, all, all they're out to do is, is make a profit and they don't care who they screw in the process. Pardon my language. Uh, but I mean like this is serious stuff we're talking about now. Uh, and they just do whatever they want. And there are laws that get passed because there are members of political groups like senates and, and parliament and all that sort of thing that have a vested interest in seeing these banking corporations take over the world essentially. And, uh, and I think that this is an extreme example of that in Star Wars with the, uh, the Trade Federation, which is a corporate entity that, gain, that becomes so large and so powerful that it gets a seat on the Senate. Um, the banking clan is exactly the same. The, uh, the techno union, which is, which is what uh, it, Wat Tambor is a member of, uh, and, and then, you know, they get to the point where they don't feel they're being represented well in the Senate and uh, they don't get what they want. So they can no longer, you know, manipulate the political system. So they band together using all of their resources and money to form their own army backed by Count Dooku. And, uh, and then they, they put an entire galaxy in war. And I think that that's really interesting, a really, really interesting insight that, that he had. And people don't really give him credit for seeing something like that. People just look at it and go, oh, it's, it's the Empire. It's just, uh, it's just like the Separatists are the Empire. And it's like, well, no, the Separatists aren't the Empire. The Republic's the Empire. And, it's, you know, people just watch the movies and they don't ever stop to think. And they don't think that there's any value in stopping to think about Star Wars because it's just a series of movies. But when you start to get into it and you start to really think about it, there is so much there to get into and to discuss and to explore and develop that, I mean, how can you not have books on top of books, on top of comic books, on top of TV shows and video games and just everything? everything that's developed in order to explain these extra parts of the of the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, how can you not see that there was an insight there that goes beyond just making a movie for the sake of making a movie? I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a lot to go on. And as we watch the show, it brings these things up. It keeps them relevant and makes us think more about Wat Tambor, who had like this one line in in episode two, and a brief appearance in episode three, and then you know, like now we know his character, now we know who he is, what he's all about, and it gives you a little bit of insight into what the separatists are about, which allows me to draw this conclusion that that it's a a parallel to the the current world 
corporate alliances and that sort of thing. Um, and that's great. That's a great thing because it's just, it's enlightening everybody all the way around. And that's just awesome. Um, my last point about the show this week is uh, Anakin and Ahsoka busting in and saving the day at the end. I freaking loved it. It was so great. I mean, I got up out of my seat and cheered when they came in. And then Ahsoka goes, well, we made it. Save the day uh, again. and, and uh, Or uh, like we always do or whatever. Or, so we made it just in time. And then Anakin goes, don't we always? And it's like, yes, you do always. That's the way it goes. It's, it's like I've said before on the podcast, the Jedi seem to arrive just in the nick of time. That's their, uh, that's the way they do things, and I guess that's that's the force at work. Um, and I definitely love that moment, especially because we got to see more Jedi starfighters. Any excuse for more Jedi starfighters is an excuse for me to be happy. So uh, that was the episode, and then that's that's the conclusion of the Ryloth trilogy, and we've just got the one episode left, Hostage Crisis. Um, and, uh, and then our season is over, and uh, what a season it's been, I tell you. But we're gonna, I'm not going to say that anything about that, because we're going to get into it when we do our retrospective episode uh, in, a, in a few weeks. So here I'm going to read a gigantic piece of mail in the mailbag from Antonio... It's a jargon or yargon? I can't, I don't know. I, I don't know, Antonio. But I'm just going to say Antonio. Uh... And he says, first off, I would like to say that I love the podcast. I have list have been listening to it since I started watching the series. At the end of each week, I turn on iTunes and wait at my computer, playing a game or two, hoping to check back and see it either downloading an episode of the show or an episode of the podcast. One time I got both at the same time, and that was a pleasant surprise. I tend to make sure I watch the episode first, then listen to the podcast, usually playing some MMO while I listen. There are a few things I have wanted to say over the months, though my memory of most of them has faded, one thing stands out. I got to use what a wonderful smell you've discovered several times at my job, and the first time I had a good personal laugh because it was the day right after listening to your podcast in which you mentioned how you have always wanted to say that at random. But the next most important thing I wish to tell you is that I don't mind when your podcasts are late. Having just heard your 20th installment of the podcast and the letter that guy sent you about being late all the time, truly I was disgusted with his expectations. You are not being paid to do this. In fact, one could even argue that you are spending money to do this for us for no charge. I know you said that despite what he wrote that you were happy to get such mail because it means people are looking forward to it, but I still cannot be pleased with his complaining about it. I don't intend for you to take up my point of view and become bitter about his letter, but I want to give you praise from another spectrum. I would be overly happy to have the podcast on time, but I am more than happy just getting them at all. The longer I wait for the, them, the more hyped up I get, every day coming home from working and booting up iTunes hoping that it's there. I more than understand the many things that may prevent you from posting them on time, and so wish to say thank you for taking the time to post them at all. Okay, now that my rant is over, I would have to say so far the whole season has been intense and I look forward to seeing more goodness in the next season. I have to wonder how they intend to make five whole seasons 
they already covered a rather wide spectrum of storyline types. I just hope they either remain as intense as the episodes have been so far, or better yet, get even more intense. And yes, I am using intense as often as possible. I hope to re-listen to all your podcasts thus far uh, soon and recall many of the other things I wish to mention to you. Till then, please keep up the awesome work, Antonio. Well, thank you, Antonio, for giving us the other the other end of the, the, the argument about me being late. Um, I don't like it when the episodes are late. That's, I'm just going to say that. Um, I'm also going to say don't give, don't give our, our other listener a hard time for writing in and, and complaining about it. It's not that big of a deal. He was actually really nice about it. So it's not like he was being a jerk. It's not like it was angry hate mail. He was just saying he'd prefer it if the episodes were out on time. But I think that last week I... Uh, I made the point that it's not late for everybody because some people haven't even gotten the episodes yet. So um, I put the episodes out when I put the episodes out, and uh, and I guess that's that. Sometimes I beat the Force cast out uh, to the punch. Uh, I know that they've got their episode uh, for their roundtable for for episode twenty one out already. So they've beaten me to the punch this week, and and you know like it's. Anybody who podcasts will tell you it's difficult. It's difficult to put aside the time. It's difficult to get it all to line up. I mean, even near pros like uh, like Steve and Derek, who do the uh, uh, Starkville's House of L uh, and Skynex, I mean, they have personal issues too. Uh, and, and we all do this for free. We do it for the love of the material. And... Uh, and sometimes life gets in the way and more important things take precedence like work or family issues or whatever it, it could be tons of stuff um, so I mean it's nice to hear that hear you say that you're you're glad to get the podcast at all because uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to produce the podcast at all I know that uh, if I if I had a more uh, demanding job that didn't allow me to take the day that I need in order to get this out. Um, that I definitely wouldn't be doing a podcast. It's only because I'm in a position where I have the time to get this out every week that uh, that it's worth it. And uh, and I mean, it does spend it. It does cost money to put the podcast out. Um, I have to pay for website hosting every month. I have to pay for extra hosting for all of the podcast files. Um, which is pretty much so that you guys can have an archive. Because I have room enough on, on my website hosting to put up about four or five of the episodes at a time, but I'd have to take them down afterwards. So I spend that extra money in order to keep the episodes up there in an archive so that you guys can access them whenever. Um, and then for new listeners to go back or people who've just been introduced to the Clone Wars to go back and to listen to the first few episodes. Um, <clears throat> but enough on that. Enough on uh, me complaining and, uh, and everything. I'm, I'm happy to do the podcast. I love doing it. Uh, I can't wait to find a co-host and to, uh, to have somebody to do the podcast with every week because I think that that'll definitely make it better. Although I did get a comment either on the forum or a piece of mail saying that they didn't want me to get a, a co-host, but um, but I don't agree with that. I, I'm I, I'm happy to get a co-host. 
Uh, I'm excited to get a co-host. But I'm excited to hear from all you guys. But I'm going to get into that later. I'm digressing again. Um, I'm glad that you got to use what a wonderful smell you've discovered. That's awesome. The more that you can get out there and covertly use the Star Wars references, the better. I, I implore everyone to do it because it just feels good. Um, and then season two. I, I know exactly how you feel. I'm wondering exactly what's going to happen. But if you go back and you listen to past episodes and even in this episode, there and if you go on the forums and the read the, you read the forum posts about uh, what would you write if you could write a Star Wars episode, um, there's so many other things to do. Uh, there, there's so many other types of stories and so many other characters to, to explore that, uh, I mean, we've only scratched the surface. We are going to have a good time in the next five years watching more and more and more Star Wars. So uh, I'm not too worried there, and I don't think that you should be either. Season 2... Season two of Frontlines, and I'm hoping I'm 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 banking on, and I I you know what I'm gonna say I, I have faith that season two of the Clone Wars is going to be faster and more intense, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean that's my slogan for season two. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Cartoon Network and Lucasfilm take up that slogan for season two as well, because I can imagine that now that we've got all of these different character models. Now that, that we've got all this experience in making the first season, the season two, faster, more intense, by far. Uh, just It's going to be way better, way, way better. And then season three will be better than that, and season four will be better than that, and season five will be probably the most amazing thing that we have ever seen in our lives. So I, uh, I look forward to that. I totally look forward to that. Um, so thank you very much for writing in, Antonio. And, uh, and, and the great things that you've got to say about the podcast and everything. Um, so on to the forum post of the week. The, the forum post of the week this week is titled Mike's Co-Host. It was posted by Anthony. And, uh, and he says, he posted, Wow, this is really exciting news. Will you guys be auditioning? And what kind of co-host do you want on the show? So he was asking, Will anybody on the forums be auditioning? And he was asking me what kind of co-host, or well, I guess he was asking everybody what kind of co-host you want on the show. Um, and then some people followed up with more questions about it. So, uh, and actually, uh, some of these questions I took from other forum posts as well, because um, I figured it was just a good idea to clear things up and be a little bit more uh, specific on uh, on exactly what I'm looking for. Um, one of the guys said, "Do we have to go to Canada?" And uh, no, you do not have to go to Canada. All you have to do is be able to uh, jump on the computer with me once a week, get on Skype, and uh, and we can chat over Skype. There's a few different ways that we can do it. Um, I'm going to try and figure out if there's a way that I can record through Skype <coughs> and, and do it that way so that... Um, so that I don't have to go to all the trouble of syncing everything up. What I've done with Steve in the past is I have recorded on my end uh, and then talked to him through Skype with headphones in and he records on his end and uh, and then he sends me his half of the conversation and I put it with my half of the conversation and I sync it up and then I export it as one file. 
uh, add the music and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's a few, there's a couple of different ways that we can do that. Uh, and actually, here's another suggestion from somebody else. It would be cool if Mike would let one or two of us have our own segment. We would just email it in every week. Um, I'm not really looking. I that's not not the sort of thing that I'm looking for. I kind of want to do have. I do want to have an actual co-host, somebody to talk to about the stuff because it's very hard to just sort of sit here and talk for an hour about Star Wars. Um, I mean, maybe I make it sound easy, but uh, but it's really a lot of work to come up with interesting points to talk about, not to talk about the same things over and over every week, um, which I know bugs some of some of our listeners. So um, I'm looking forward to having a co-host. Uh, another poster said, Hey Mike, a quick question about the auditions for the Clone Wars co-host. Is there a set date or cutoff date on when these auditions are due? Not yet. There's no cutoff right now, um, and it's it's a few months out at least. Um, my plan is to have a co-host selected for the beginning of season two, which is September October of this year. So um, we've got all summer. We've got all summer. So like I said on the forums, take your time, produce something awesome and intense, uh, produce something professional sounding, and uh, and just do something great. Uh, to get my attention and uh, and and send it to me or or point me in its direction if you've got a website to put it on or some sort of hosting to put it on. Um, that's all. That's all I'm gonna say right now. There's no cutoff date. I know, like the first couple, like the first month or two. Actually, I'll probably take three to four weeks off of the podcast just so you guys know now. Um, next week. Is going to be the finale to season one. Um, I'll, I'll do that, uh, and then it's going to be a few weeks before I do another episode because I just need to take a break. I have some other stuff that's uh, that's starting up, and uh, and I need to focus on that at the moment. So um, that gives you guys lots of time before I'll even be considering anything. Uh, when I come back, I'm going to do the retrospective with Steve. Uh, we've got our interview. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to line up maybe some more interviews, some different ones with other people. Um, and then from there, I want to do a mailbag episode because obviously, if I take three or four weeks off, that's going to uh, accrue a lot of mail. And then I will get through it all in, in one or two episodes. Um, and then uh, I'm going to do an episode about E3. When that happens, talking about all of the new Star Wars stuff that we'll see at E3, um, talking about talking about uh, the Old Republic and that sort of thing, um, and then possibly have on some other guest hosts, uh, some special guest hosts uh, such as Derek and uh, and other people. Uh, I, I want to have Michael Bailey from Views from the Long Box on. I know he doesn't watch Clone Wars. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually do an episode or two about everything else Star Wars, uh, just just to sort of fill in the summer, um, and and just for something to do. Uh, so I'll talk about each of the movies, all six of them at some point, and uh, what my favorite moments are from all six movies. So that'll be six episodes, and then somewhere in there, like once I'm done all of that. Uh, I mean, like we're talking about we're talking about maybe two months there. 
So uh, end of March, uh, April, and then end of April, I'll be back with episodes. Uh, May and June are full of episodes. And then guess what? We've still got July and August before we even know if Clone Wars is coming back. Like before we even find out when the new season starts. So um, it could be as late as, as the end of September, the beginning of October. Um, who knows? We'll see. So uh, there's plenty of time for you guys to get this stuff done. Don't rush it. Don't feel like you got to get it done right now. There's tons and tons of time. The deadline's going to be sometime in probably July, August. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll say July, probably the middle of July, so that I have time to listen and, and coordinate with who I want to do the, uh, the, five, the five guest host episodes, and then you guys can do your voting. I'll give you two weeks for voting. Um, so don't even worry about that right now. Uh, last question, what are the requirements for co-hosting? The requirements for co-hosting are that you have a reasonably good computer uh, that is able to at least run Audacity, which um, if you go to, I think it's audacity.com, uh, just go on Google and search Audacity free uh, audio software and you'll find their website. Um, and then look at their system requirements. As long as you can, you have a computer that can run audacity that's all that really matters and then you just have to have a mic and uh, and and it should be a nice mic um, you can get a pretty good mic for about 30 or 40 dollars um, I I happen to have spent about 90 on mine but it's not necessary to do that entirely um, and it depends on what format we would be recording it every week but obviously the nicer the mic the nicer you're gonna sound the more impressed I'm gonna be so um, I, by no means don't like don't go out and invest in something just to uh, just to do your audition. Um, if you if you end up being the co-host, you can always upgrade later. So um, or you know borrow something from a friend. Uh, there's lots of different options. So don't don't spend money on doing the uh, the the your audition. For, uh, for the co-host spot. I don't want you guys going out there and spending money to do so. Um, and then uh, uh, podcast prep requirements, nothing really. I mean, you, you have to have watched the episode. You have to have some stuff to say about it, some insightful stuff. Um, like I said, anybody who wants to write recaps can write recaps. Uh, but, uh, but it's not necessarily a requirement. I can still do that. We can alternate, go back and forth. I write a recap, you write a recap, whatever. I mean, that's the sort of thing that we can, we can figure out later on down the road. It's really just a matter of being able to set aside that one day a week, uh, or at least that couple of hours a week to, to do the recording. Um, it helps if you're in at least a close time zone to me, or you don't mind recording at a weird time, I know that some people are in Australia, the UK, uh, Japan, all that sort of stuff. So um, we got to kind of find a time when we can both record, which will be difficult, but I'm sure that we can manage. Um, I find a time to record with Steve, and it's about a three or four hour difference in time zones. So uh, 
that's that's about all I've got to say about uh, about the um, the requirements and about the details about the co-host. So I'm still waiting on some submissions. You guys haven't really done anything yet, uh, but obviously take your time. But I'm impatient, so hurry up. But take your time. Um, although one individual has uh, gone ahead and done something awesome, and that is Nevin. He's Kit on the forums, and uh, and he has sent me an audio file uh, of the trailer for next week's or this upcoming episode, tonight's episode, Hostage Crisis. So uh, I am going to play that right now. On the Clone Wars, the Senate under siege. The diabolical agents of Count Dooku have united to attack the heart of the Republic. You should all consider yourselves to be in my power. Now, only Anakin Skywalker stands between the noble senators uh -oh. and certain doom. The Jedi's unarmed. Can one brave Jedi fight off a gang of deadly bounty hunters? I make these rules now. Find out next time on Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And there you go. That is Hostage Crisis. I am excited to watch this episode. Cad Bane looks like uh, one pretty uh, B.A. dude. Uh, which, if you don't know what B.A. stands for, then um, I'm not going to tell you. Because that's not appropriate. Um, that's our episode. That's it. And, uh, and this is our second last episode of Season 1. So, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. Fill out our listener survey. We can always use more input on the listener survey. Uh, head over to Twitter. Follow us. Our username is Clone Wars. That way you'll get instant updates on when I post videos to the site, when I post new episodes of the podcast, any news articles. Uh, head over to Facebook and join our group. Uh, become a fan of Frontlines on Facebook. There's links to everything on the Facebook group. And, uh, of course, as always, join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Get in there. I can't even keep up with you guys anymore. Um, I try and read all of the forums and try and read every post, but, uh, but you guys are crazy. You guys post like heck. So... Um, Get in there, join in on the discussion, become a part of the community, and uh, and thank you guys for listening. May the force be with you, and I will catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>